0: Adam Conk, what's up, my man? So happy to be here. In the studio is Paul George, Adam, talking Art of Living. Yes. Uh, great to be with you. We've had a few weeks off over, the, I don't know, the course of the holidays, lots of travel.
1: Yeah, God uh, has had a plan for both of us to be yeah. very busy.
0: So here we are. So it's great, great to be back. Thanks, everyone, for listening in and uh, being a part of the show. Uh, you were kind of all over, too. You went to New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, first uh preordination retreat for the diaconate,
1: which is two months away if God still wants me to be a deacon, um and so so he's got
0: two months to like strike you down or something yeah I, if he doesn't I like, mean how does that work?
1: I would not be upset if God decided I don't know <laughs> in two weeks or something, I get a letter, hey, you're not going to be a deacon if that's what God wants, fine, I would just have some questions you're,
0: <laughs> but you're you're free, you're detached yes, yes so yes, was yes, it yes. like a like a week retreat, or...
1: yeah, five days uh, spent in prayer and with brother deacons who are preparing to, well, future deacons, deacon wannabes, right, uh, preparing for it, and deacon almost is, yeah, and it, you know, it was good for me because I've just been so focused on formation, not really thinking about like life after ordination. So I got to spend a lot of time with Jesus, kind of talking about that, like, how's this going to work, right? What's this going to be, and uh, got some good clarity. You know, I mean, look, the older I get the more I value clarity from God Hmm. as like manna from heaven. And so I got some clarity on retreat. So I'm grateful.
0: And it's not always the case. Like we don't always have clarity. You know, Mm -hmm. that's sort of the relationship and prayer is like, sometimes all we know is just what we know today, Mm -hmm. you know, to put one foot in front of the other. And I think oftentimes we sit around and don't do anything until we have clarity. And sometimes the only clarity we have is a lack of clarity. That's right. Like what we know today, like, You just know that you're called to be a deacon and and that's all you know today and if that changes, it'll change. But, you know, what was cool about the fact that you guys went on a retreat is, I think it's a question I have for all of us, is like, do do we take the time to invest in our lives spiritually? And I'm not even just talking about going to mass or the sacraments or even praying, but like going off, right? Mm -hmm. And having a retreat, investing, like getting some clarity Reconnecting with God on a deep spiritual level, having some quiet, you know, some reflection, some spiritual direction, like really diving in, you know, to kind of get a a good spiritual awakening and reboot. Like, do we do that enough? Well, Jesus
1: did it. So if it's good enough for him, I mean, he regularly made that time. Well, and clarity is different in answers. I think when I was younger, I wanted answers from God.
0: Right. Like, Yes or no, just tell me like the plane in the sky, just to write <laughs> it out and, and like smoke, you know.
1: Right. But I've learned to not value those answers because when I think I have the answer, it often turned out to not be mm-hmm. God's answer, is more my answer. Yeah. But clarity is different, right? Like clarity is I can see my life a little better, a little clearer. I can see maybe the next step I need to take. I could see my work, my family a little bit clearer than I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see myself better. So and clarity doesn 't go away. see answers yes or no, like Lord, do you want me to uh, you know take this job next week or something, and you get a yes or no well then that 's it. the discernment 's over, right? But clarity allows you to see your life better for the rest of your life. Hmm. you know clarity stays, it sticks, so I love me some clarity
0: I think in a lot of ways in, in the spiritual world or language, I can equate clarity with Uh, a lack of like, yes or no, the, the exact answer I can more so equate clarity with peace, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, it's really hard to find. It, it, it takes time to, to know and understand like, where is peace in my, in my heart, in my mind, in my life, because we're so busy, so crazy. Um, there's a lot going on. We do have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of moving pieces. And so, Following that that strand of, of peace and, and finding that in the decision, in the prayer uh, is really where I kind of would equate clarity with. That's awesome. Yeah, because I mean, think about like
1: a body of water, like a pond or a lake. It has to be still for you to be able to see through it, right? Like if it's rough, if things are moving around, you can't see. It's not clear. Mm-hmm. You know, But if, if it calms down you can actually look and see what's under there, you know, maybe a clam or a A, fish or a conch or a conch, a conch shell. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we can't have clarity without peace. And when God gives us clarity, I mean, is there any more peaceful moment? Like when you're in prayer and you know that God just showed you something that brought clarity to your life. I mean, I don't know if there's any more peace this side of heaven than like that experience.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, with your decision around the diaconate, it it's there's a piece there, and in, mm-hmm. in that piece there's clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you get struck down and. <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I don't know why I like the word down. Then it would be down, an though. answer. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot for that, that use of that word. Because it, it would
0: be the exact answer if you got right. struck down. Oh, well then. Maybe. Answers are like a rock thrown into the pond. <laughs> <laughs> here's your answer. Yeah, here's your answer.
1: <laughs> well, you were, you were busy too. You uh, went up to the northeast, did some things. Yeah, you know, some did some things.
0: things. So uh, we're going to do a little have you seen.
1: What did you say? That is so interesting.
0: Oh, for real though. Yeah, so I am for real. Uh, so went up to D.C., and if you didn't know, which I'm sure you do, or maybe you haven't heard, the March for Life just recently happened. Every January, we celebrate life, and uh, the annual March for Life people from all over the country travel in uh, to D.C. to March, the capital, to really pray and and in hopes to end abortion and raise awareness for, for all life, right? The dignity of all life. And uh, so I was there speaking at uh, a big event leading up to the March. And then all the people, a lot of young people leave those events or that event and, and go to the March.
1: And if you've never been, it, it's so unique. I mean, there's nothing like it in the world really. Right. Right. When you, Mm -hmm. And you call together all these people from around the country and even other countries to stand up for life. Mo- a lot of them young, most of them young people.
0: Yeah, and then what? What's kind of extended from there is like like a lot of dioceses do their own marches and you know mm-hmm. things like that. So it, it's like you know you don't obviously have to go to D.C. and make the trip or whatever, but you know there's local marches, <clears throat> lots of things like that, and it's just cool to see the awareness being raised, not only the awareness but a generation of young folks who really see the value of life and the importance of human dignity and human life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a, it's an interesting, um, uh, thing to be a part of, you know? And, uh, so I was a part of this big event in the, the diocese of Arlington puts on called life is very good. And it's in, you know, the, This big arena at George Mason University, uh, which is, you know, just outside of D.C. And, uh, yeah, there were people from all over the country and a huge, huge uh, crowd from Louisiana. Right on. It's like one of the biggest states represented at the march.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm sure this came up several times while you were there, but we were recently named the most pro-life state in the country. Not the first time that that's happened, but I I don't know how they measure this. I guess laws and culture and whatever else so it makes sense you had a big old Louisiana crowd. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the, we're the most pro-life state. Yeah. And we're, I don't know who
1: ranks these things, but
0: that's... The, <laughs> and we have the best food.
1: I mean, that can't be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. We love
0: life. Yeah. We love life. It's right? true.
1: And I mean, really, even our enemies we can eat with here. I mean, sometimes. Maybe there's right. a situation where I'm not eating with you, but f- we we often get together with family and friends and enemies, to share life, you know, to eat good food or whatever, you know, Louisiana, we see the value of life, we love life, the joie de vivre, like people say. Joie de vivre, it means the joy, of, joy life. of life. But it's not based on what you can achieve or whatever, it's just because you're family or because you're a friend, and so I think our culture
0: sees the dignity of, of every person um, more and I, and easily. I, and I remember growing up, and I didn't grow up a lot in the church, you know, I was younger, and... You Know, but I br- grew up in the culture Cajun, you know, culture, right? Mm. And and family. And I remember someone asking me as a, a teenager, and um, I didn't know the teachings of the church. And you know, I'd started going to mass, but I didn't, I didn't know what the church taught or believed. You know, there wasn't much catechesis and you know, these rallies and marches, and you know, I didn't never went to any of that. And I remember mm. someone asking me for the first time, someone asked me, I was somewhere and they asked me if I was pro-life, okay? Mm -hmm. And I looked at him, and I I was like, I I didn't know that you were supposed to not be. Like, no one ever told me to be pro-life is what I'm saying. I never Mm -hmm. even heard the term pro-life. I just always knew in my DNA and the way that people treated each other and the way family was and the way our culture was is that I just – always knew and believed in my heart that every human life was super, super important yeah. and had value, uh, and I never really thought of it in any other way, right?
1: Yeah, and that's really the goal of the pro-life movement. It's not just to change laws, and that's very, very important, by the way, because changing laws will save millions of lives, literally. Right. But it's it's to create a culture where abortion is unthinkable, like, mm-hmm. like for you. It's like, well, if I couldn't even imagine... Destroying any life, especially a defensive and, defenseless and vulnerable one.
0: Right. And yeah. now we have, you know, we're protecting the elderly. We're protecting mm-hmm. uh, those, you know, who are handicapped and special needs. And, you know, we live in, the, in this culture that um, if like, like if, if I could use really one word, and this is kind of the word that I built my whole talk around, and we'll get, get more into this, is the word value. Mm -hmm. Uh, this idea that in our culture, one person's life has more value than another. And, and that's basically what we begin to decide, right? You bring more value than me. So then your life's more important, right? Uh, you know, I bring more value than this child. So my life's more important. You know, I, I'm a different race or from a different culture or I make more money or, you know, I'm, I'm not old. You know, this person has more value than this one. And we just begin to to place certain value on folks or on people. And then, therefore, someone else has a lesser value. And if you have lesser value, then your life's not worth much. Mm-hmm. That's that's what our culture begins to believe and implement. And the reality is, as Christians, you know, that's not even close. So, all right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this, Paul and Adam, talking art of living. Good to be with you, man. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam right here. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Dude, great conversation. But, okay, so a little timeline here. From your diaconate, you went to New York, or you went to New York, and then your diaconate retreat?
1: Retreat, then New York City with my daughter, Mary, who's now 10 years old.
0: So you have a a little tradition with familia.
1: Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know how these things happen. They just kind of do. So there's a long story about why this started, but now I pretty much have a commitment with all my kids that when they turn 10, I'm going to take them to New York City for like a weekend at a time when it's very cheap to do so, which is mid-January. Just a short weekend. Mm -hmm. But we pack it with a bunch of Low cost items, but fun things. Because I mean, most of the things you really want to do in New York as a 10 year old, you don't have to spend a lot of money Yeah, 10
0: year olds, you know, what they know or what they expect are a lot. She wasn't interested in
1: the Met, you know, like let's spend three hours looking at art, like that wasn't on the agenda. But um, man, we had a great time and made great memories, you know, for her, which I, I know memories are very important for children. So,
0: yeah, just,
1: you know, for me, it was a little investment, like it was a weekend that I'm willing to invest for other things. So I'm investing her. You know, now, I, now I'm committed for a lot of kids. Yeah, because <laughs>
0: this is number...
1: Well, I was the second child of seven so far, so... So far. Yeah, so pray for me.
0: But uh, yeah, it was a
1: great trip. And look, there's so many holy sites in New York, actually, um, as in D.C. You know, you were just up there. Yeah. Some of our heroes... I mean, literally, there's an American saint buried in New York, and there's an American saint buried right outside of D.C. Yep. You know, and I think every American should make a little... And what are those places? saints? Well, Saint Francis Cabrini is buried in New York. She was not born an American, but she became an American citizen, first American saint. And then Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, who was the first born American saint, is buried in Emmitsburg, Maryland, right outside of D C. So if you for instance, if you uh, make the trip next year to the March, you can certainly plan a little day trip to Emmitsburg, Maryland, and
0: it's totally worth it. It's know. also uh, Mount Saint Mary's right. out there, which is Seminary and college, beautiful. I actually went to speak there years ago. So I was going to – they had this event called Mount 2000, and it was nice. a big youth conference. What year was it? Uh, it wasn't <laughs> 2000. but Really? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> but I can't remember. And uh, anyway, so it's first time for me to to go to the Mount. Beautiful. Okay, so I'm riding with this guy um, seminary and picked me up at the airport and driving out there and – we're we're kind of going through, and he goes, so so here's the beautiful property He goes, but well, whatever you do, like, just you probably won't. But don't you know go over there to those mountains or hills, you know? And John, I was like, you know, why? He goes, well, that's where Camp David is. Ah, yes. And Camp David is where it's like this hidden, you know, area where the president goes in case there's a like a, you know, World War Three, basically, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's underground tunnels and stuff. And so. I was like, well, what would happen? He said, well, actually, a couple of my seminary friends uh, were walking. They got lost. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know that they were on any other property other than the mount. And they were walking. And then all of a sudden, they just, like, two guys popped up out of the ground, <laughs> grabbed them, and pulled them through the ground. Seriously? Yes. Oh, my God. Through the ground and blindfolded them, took them in a tunnel. You're kidding. Yeah two seminarians and started interrogating them and apparently they were they had accidentally gotten on government property oh my gosh yeah how funny is that like how how scared would you be if like you're just walking in the woods and like you know some like you know army guy just pops out just sucks you into the ground and like takes you i mean they must have thought they were gonna die that must have gone through their head they probably did wow that yeah. is something. But I think it's kind of cool, actually. So you want to now, next time. Part you're... of me wanted to <laughs> try it out, like, just get captured and be like, I didn't do anything. I was just lost. But Sorry. I got secrets. <laughs> like, that would that would be really funny. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe you and your son, you know, like a little graduation present. You want to graduate from high school. You can head up there and get captured.
0: Or I can just let him loose, <laughs> Camp David. And
1: he could tell you all about it. <laughs> he
0: would tell me all about it. Like I'm too old for this, man. You go, you you go do this. Um, but that's true. These saints and and uh, you know it's interesting. You know what I find so so crazy about you know living in the United States and and then and then you go to places like New York and D.C. It's like oh this is pretty historical, but then you go to Europe and you're like this is really <laughs> historical. This mm-hmm. is like you know the thousands of years of history based on the hundred years of history. That's what we only have you know very few american saints you know like our history is you know so small uh compared to you know europe and you go there and you you go to rome and you see the churches that i mean literally um all the way dating back to you know the early centuries right yeah so so anyways dc speaking at this um pro-life rally life is very good and here's what i loved about their approach to rally and so I think in total, maybe th- about 13,000 people came to the rally. Um, and then they had other different types of events and rallies at other people. And then everyone meets at the march. And you never know the total number of people that are at the march. But, you know, there's a lot. And uh, But what I loved is the, the name of um, the rally was called Life is Very Good. And their whole approach is not just about abortion but about all life. You know, because we're dealing now in a culture that, Really, sees uh, the opportunity to kind of throw all life away mm-hmm. if it doesn't bring value, right? So if it's not important, you're elderly, you're handicapped, you're special just people needs, who disagree with you. People who disagree with you, they don't think your way. You're unborn. You're, you're you know you a baby, you, whatever. And it's just real interesting that you know we've kind of gone from this idea of abortion to, it's expanded, right? It's it's mm-hmm. broadened to the fact that mm, the culture can decide that any life's just not important. You yeah. Know?
1: Well, and really the idea that every life has equal value is very uniquely Christian. And I think in America we take this for granted that it's it's always kind of been part of our DNA. And yes, we have a, a horrible history of slavery. We have a horrible history of civil rights abuses. We have all these things but in the constitution and in the declaration of independence there's at least this this flavor this idea that every person because God created them has the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the way we implement it has always been flawed we we don't see the humanity in someone because of their skin color because of how old they are or if they're born or not you know but then we have an awakening and we start to because we rediscover our, our values as a, as a country, which is really a Christian value that every human person is created by God and because of that equally, equally loved by God. The problem is this, this idea is very inconvenient to us. Because right. if you exist and you're equal in value to me, I have a responsibility to care for you. right? Like If, if you're in trouble, if you're vulnerable, if you're suffering... I have to care for you if you have the same value as me. And so this is a very inconvenient idea for, for those of us who just want comfort, who just want to do our own thing. For me to
0: face the humanity of the unborn child means I have to do something to take care of that unborn yeah, child. Yeah, and, you know, I, we're living, you know, in, in a time where technology has gotten great. You know, and the beauty of the Church is that, you know, we believe that science enhances... Our faith it, it helps us to believe even more of the magnitude of God right it doesn't mm-hmm. take away uh, faith and reason science all together like just gives us a, a great view of of the beauty of God right and but we're we're now at a time where technology and, and has basically told us that uh, you know life begins right at conception like that like the, like the the genetic code is is already there right mm-hmm. And so, you know, you could you can go with the the abortion, you know, um, debate. It, it can be pre-religious. It, it doesn't. You don't even have to bring in the religion t- to the to the debate. In a sense of like, okay, a life's a life. Now, not, technology will tell us that, that this is a life and this is a life. But here's the thing I'm getting at, and what you were saying is, if we don't believe that God created life, then basically but we do believe it's life because science tells us it's life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then basically, if we don't believe that God created the life, then we become God. Oh, yeah. We become the person who def- who decides who has value, right? Think about how dangerous that is. That anyone, if the, if they don't believe that God created life and that people have dignity and value, by the by the the sheer um the magnitude that you know when god created he said is very good mm-hmm. right man that uh if people don't believe that then they believe that they're now god yeah and they can decide who has value yeah, and the poster child for this was was adolf
1: hitler as far as a person we can look to who actually lived that out to the fullest because a lot of people think that religion is the greatest cause of wars in the history of man. This is a common conception in people's minds, and that's ridiculous. Because if you look at the atheist regimes that actually succeeded, that actually ran countries, they're the bloodiest, most vile things ever, right? And so, anyway, this is what Hitler did. He he created a regime with no God, right? And he looked at people as less valuable— And what happened? What what did he do with these people? He exterminated them. And those that were valuable enough to stay alive, he used them and manipulated them for his own lust for power, right? And so where that road leads is a very dark, scary place. And the the lesson of Hitler in the Holocaust and and what he did, we need to pay attention to in America because we do the, the same thing sometimes. You know, like we devalue people. Um, not just the unborn and the elderly, but just people that disagree with me, co-workers that I don't get along with. Like we, we devalue them so that we can treat them however we want. And that's the thing. If I don't see you as valuable, I will treat you however I feel like treating you. And that's a very dangerous place. It's, 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 it's like
0: once we make that step, then, you know, we're done, Right. Because then I can look at someone who's poor mm-hmm. and say they have less value because they don't they don't help our economy they just drain they just you know ask and so then I I can look at someone who's poor begging on the side of the road and and think to myself well, they have less value than I do and we do think that and they're Christians and we struggle with that you know where yeah. you know they're they're a child or you know they're they're unborn they don't bring value yet they don't boost our economy, they don't work, you know, or someone gets old, this is what happens. Oh, you're retired now, or, you know, you're laying in bed, and you're sick. And oh, you don't bring value anymore. You don't, you don't help our world, our economy, like, you, you, like, you're nothing now, like, I'm better than you, right? Mm -hmm, I bring, mm -hmm. I have more value than you, because I bring more value to the world. But this is what our economic structure is based on, like, like, you get hired somewhere, because you bring value to the company right mm-hmm. you make the company money by your value by your ability to work and your gifts there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's how economics work right you and i bring value to this show and we don't get paid much so that there's there's <laughs> our value but if value was surely based on economics and money like like then, then we've lost the idea that God created, that God gave us value, that everyone has value. And and then, we, then I mean, we would just be in a world where if, if you only can boost our economy or if you only can bring value to the world, then you have value. Everyone else is out. Yeah, which is a living hell. I mean, this is what—the kingdom of darkness is
1: power, right? Like, how does Satan have uh, subjects? He— overpowers them you know he convinces the angels to fall with him he tempts us he seduces us to follow him in sin like the abuse of power because i am greater than you is the kingdom of darkness but this is not god's kingdom god does not have subjects because he overpowers them or does violence to them or he's greater than them he has them because he created them out of love and then we return that love back to him in freedom And the thing is, every person has value because they were created out of love by God, destined to return that love in heaven. And if we don't have that view, then you're right. You have no value because in this life, you're not contributing. Or in this life, you're not adding to the group's success or the the common good or whatever. But what about the next life? Right. Right. That little baby, that homeless person on the street, that elderly person in bed, God has destined that person to be with him forever. Right. And I have a responsibility to help that person get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, for us as Christians, we we have to understand that, you know, when we believe that in dignity and value, that it has to spread across the whole piece of bread, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, there's nothing worse than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with just, like, peanut butter on one side that like, is bad like spread it to the edges <laughs> you know what i'm saying spread it to the edges and you know that that has to challenge us to believe that the homeless person on the side of the road the poorest of the poor they have just as much value mm-hmm. as me in fact if anything they have more, more value value. as <laughs> right? far as like in god's a, priority got in a sense of like loving them. right the, the, you know, the elderly person who can no longer move, you mm-hmm. know the, and the unborn, and everyone in between, there's no difference in value. There, there's no equation there. There's no weighting it out. We believe that when God created everyone, he breathed a soul, that everyone has equal value, period, no matter what, what country, nation, race, and religion, right? And there's a story of this American priest who went down to visit Mother Teresa— and he was a journalist going to do an article on Mother Teresa, which is cool, you know, highlight her work and you know probably even help her raise money through through raising the awareness. And he gets there to Calcutta, you know, one of the poorest cities in all of, all of the world, knocks on the um, orphanage door and expects someone else to answer the door. And Mother Teresa answers the door, right, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, Father, you're here. Follow me." And he thinks he's gonna take his bags and put it in his room and start the interview with Mother Teresa. And and uh, she just starts walking down the road, streets of Calcutta. And he's like, "Mother, where are you going?" She's like, "Follow me." So you know, he follows Mother Teresa. He says, "The worst scene he's ever seen in his life. The worst poverty he's ever seen." You know, and Mother Teresa comes up to this dying man on the side of the road and looks at the priest and says, "Pick him up." He's like, "Mother, I can't. I can't do that. Like, I don't know how to do that. I'm dressed all nice. Like, I, I'm not. This is I." You know, I, I just came to interview you, highlight your ministry, and she says, pick him up, right? So he says he picks up this dying man, and uh, he's never done this before. And she says to him, uh, follow me, carry him. And they walk back to the orphanage, and she looks um, at the father and says, um, take care of him, bathe him, and stay with him until he dies. And he's like, Mother, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I've never done this. Like, I'm super... <laughs> uncomfortable I'm not you know trained in this and she says and before he dies ask him his name and he said he held this man uh, naked bathing him and asked him his name and uh, held him in his arms till he died he says the first time in his life he ever realized the dignity and value of a human person and he saw Christ in his eyes as this man died and he said he was Brought to tears. He couldn't get a hold of himself. Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't ever have to ask Mother Teresa another question. Like his article was written. Like the, like it, it, was, it was in his heart now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's us. Like here's, here's the thing. Like, like that's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to be to the world, right? Uh, not only to march, but in the everyday when people aren't looking. Yeah. To treat everyone with value. When that's the hardest, right? Like it was
1: as difficult as that scene must have been in the moment, it was also very easy in that moment for that priest to see the value of that person because what else are you going to do? Here you are with Mother Teresa. She's telling you to do it. What else are you going to do? You're just going to do it, right? But when he flies back home Mm -hmm. and goes to his rectory and is talking to his secretary or his staff,
0: he can do whatever he wants. Right. <laughs> you
1: see what I'm saying? But when you
0: have that encounter, you're changed. Exactly. And and here's what it all comes down to. When Jesus comes, right? He comes to, uh, you know, seek and save the lost. We know that. To forgive, to bring mercy. You, obviously to die. And to, to let us know that uh, we're loved and forgiven and that we have salvation to him. But in his ministry in every encounter, he came to to show us that everyone had value Mm -hmm. and dignity. And, like, to show us, like, individually. And when we have that encounter with Christ, we talked in the first segment about clarity. Mm -hmm. When we have that encounter with Christ and we understand our dignity, then we begin to understand other people's dignity. Right? I believe that the people who struggle the most in our world and our culture who believe in killing children or the elderly or getting rid of, you know, homeless people. And, uh, they're, they're people who don't understand their own value. Oh, totally. And their own dignity. Totally. And when you don't understand your own value and dignity, then you don't see it in other people.
1: Yeah. And you know, when we all meet God we're going to have we're going to be held accountable to that because God sees the value of that unborn child God sees the value of that man on the street God sees the value of that and he does not abandon them right he's not going to let them down right he doesn't let them down and he allows these horrible things to happen for his purposes um, but he has not abandoned those who cry out to him or those who are, are victims of violence or but we might abandon him and we do this when we neglect the dignity and the value of these people. And we will have to answer for this, you know, because we do have a responsibility. If we, if we go walk by that dying man on the street and do nothing, I mean, Jesus literally gave a parable about this. Like we have failed him. We have abandoned him, mm-hmm. but God does not abandon that person on the street.
0: Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, I always say hurt people, hurt people. hmm People who don't understand their dignity, you know, do that to other people. Believe other people don't have dignity. People who are insecure, hang around other people. You know, like, this is all about, you know, when we can transform our lives and other lives can be transformed, then we're going to have a culture that sees dignity and purpose and value in everyone. And when we allow Christ to move in his power and in his, in, in the way that he desires to move, that's when real change Begins to happen. All right, we'll come back uh, in just a moment. It's Paul and Adam talking harder living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthshare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity Healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity Healthshare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org That's SolidarityHealthShare.org Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam in the studio. Yeah, you know, here's, you know, when, you know, we're talking about the uh, uh, pro-life march and, you know, uh, the right to life and, and dignity and value, uh, so if if you're just tuning in, you can, you can go back and listen on the podcast. Um, but he, here's the beauty. Like when you read the Gospels, like when Jesus comes and he's doing ministry, it, it, was, it was always an interaction where there was, there was never an interaction where someone didn't get a sense of their purpose and value, mm-hmm. right? You know, you think about the blind man Bartimaeus who, you know, a blind person by society's stakes back then was, had brought no value to the world. Right. Uh, and not only that like the, you know they didn't help the economy they couldn't work they were kicked outside of the city and so they lived outside the city on the streets um and and then even so their parents didn't see value in them because they thought they were sinful that they were born this way or they were blind or hurt or crippled because they they had some type of uncleanliness and sinfulness about mm-hmm. them right and so jesus goes and flips all that upside down that whole sense of believing that that someone's you know sin has caused them to be blind or they they should be pushed out to the outskirts of society because they didn't bring value right like he doesn't he goes right for it Mm -hmm. you know so he's walking down the road and bartimaeus is yelling out and he every day he yelled out every day bartimaeus yelled out begging like there wasn't a day he (laughs) didn't yell jesus happened to be walking down the road and, and he gets wind of it and he's yelling out and you know no no chance in in the world that he was going to stop. That's what Bartimaeus was thinking. And yet Jesus stops, tells his disciples, go get that guy. Bring him over. And they're like, what? No, no, no. That guy. The guy who everyone thinks doesn't have value and purpose and meaning. That's who I want to talk to. Right? So they drag him over. Right? Bring him over. Not drag him, but you know what I mean. (laughs) For lack of better words. Gently carry him. (laughs) They walk together. And he's standing in front of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Jesus is staring at him and doesn't say, you're wrong, you're sinful, you're, you're broken. Like, what are you doing? Like, get a job. Like, <laughs> he doesn't say any of that. He says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Right? He's yeah. like, I want to see. And we've been talking about clarity. That's what Jesus does. Jesus gives us clarity to see who we are to see who we really are, to see our dignity and value. Like, that's what Jesus comes to do, for goodness sakes, alive.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even those he challenged, it was about value, like the Pharisees, because their value, their, the way they saw themselves, they were valuable because they kept the law, because they were in leadership. And so Jesus speaks to their real value, and he says, none of that is valuable more than who you're called to be as a child of God and to follow me. Right? Like, you're valu- more valuable as my disciple
0: than as your own master. Absolutely. I mean, we see that with the woman caught in adultery, where the Pharisees drag her, literally drag her out mm-hmm. to the to the road. And they're going to stone her to death because the law says so. And she's horrible and sinful. And, you know, Jesus just steps right into that that huddle, right? Mm-hmm. And commands the huddle and says, you who have not sinned cast the first stone. Go ahead. If you think your value is greater than hers because you're perfect, go ahead. Yeah. Right?
1: We've experienced this, and hopefully everyone has experienced this in their life where we actually felt valued by someone because they were willing to challenge us on something we were doing wrong or some way we could be better. And like we got this sense. Maybe we were upset at first. Maybe we were humiliated at first. But later, we began to appreciate that that person thought enough of us to actually challenge us. And because, you know, Jesus could have let all this go. He could have let the Pharisees be the Pharisees. He could have let, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like he didn't. He loved them enough to challenge them. And uh, hopefully we've experienced that same thing and we learn to get a taste for it because it stinks. I mean, you get punched in the mouth with a
0: good challenge. You don't like it
1: at first, right? Right. (laughs) But hopefully you learn to get a taste for it because it's a very loving thing when people challenge us.
0: Absolutely. All right. You want to do a uh, good old-fashioned six-pack of questions. Question.
1: Question number one. So six-pack of value.
0: <laughs> the the value pack. <laughs> there, so, there you
1: go. So question number one. I think, you know, there's so many things we could say about this pro-life and and the value of every human person thing. But kind of zeroing in on our our day-to-day life. Let's start with parents. So like as you've taught your kids and you've worked with other people teaching the value of life, what are some effective ways to communicate that every life is valuable to
0: young people? Well, I think the first place to start is teaching them that they have value. You know, I, you know, I was speaking to a group of parents and I'm really talking to myself, you know, because I'm, I'm not, you know, an expert on that and I'm still raising kids, but is that the greatest gift that you can give your kids? Is that they would know who they are, their identity, right, their value. Um, we give them love, and, and the way that they get to know that is through love, through time, through through all these these things that we give them. But in that is when they come to know their value and their dignity and their identity. That's then then that's gonna lead them to know and understand. The value and dignity in other people—they're not going to question or, or be able to separate the two, right? And so, th- that to me is when you begin to teach young people their value, then they see value in other people. Right? I love that. So, and and there's no group of people that struggle more with insecurity than young people. Yes. Right. And so, we constantly have to be pouring into that. But let's be honest. Adults struggle with their value and their dignity and oh, yeah. and their insecurities as well. So we're constantly needing to lean into Christ. And you and I had talked about the retreat, like going on a retreat, like my hopes. And every time I go on a retreat is like, just remind me who I am so I can live in that reality every day. It's awesome. All right. Question number
1: two. So the reality of abortion is painful and horrible and violent. Um, on one end of the spectrum, it's like we shouldn't emphasize the violence and the nastiness and the horrible of it. And the other end, it's like we should put it in everybody's face. But like in your experience working with people of all ages and communicating this message of life, um, what is the value of of kind of like the shock of the violence of abortion versus like the, the encouragement of the pro-life message? Like where do you find that balance or, or how, how to, you know,
0: communicate these things? Yeah, I mean... You know we don't want to be you know terrorist Mm -hmm. you know we extremist because then people tune us out people tune christians out Uh, just like in in other scenarios in the world where you see extremism you you just tune it out because you're like they're 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 extreme in a sense of like they don't make sense anymore you know jesus was extreme in his love and that's what changed the world and we We always have to lead with that, just this extreme amount of love for everyone, including those who were giving abortions and including like the worst of the worst, right? Like, And if you struggle with that, then go love someone who's really hard to love, like volunteer for prison ministry, like volunteer for homeless ministry, learn to love people that are really hard to love. It's because that's what Jesus did. This is what Mother Teresa did. Like, she she never, like, but at the same time, it's important to live in reality. Abortion is murder. It's killing. Euthanasia is killing a person. Like, so we need to be real clear with the message of what it is and at the same time be extreme in love. Love it. All right, question number three. Um, so I think the theme of the
1: march this year was uh, pro-life is pro-woman, right? Um, as you attended the rally and you were kind of in that whole thing, were women present? Like, is this a, a, a movement that only men care about? Or is this a, <laughs> are women pro-life in your... I, yeah, your I mean, s-
0: I, I would say, honestly, like the population at the march is more women than, than men, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the main speaker at the conference that I was at was Immaculate. Oh yeah, um, who uh, survived a genocide, like literally a government killing human people because they were of a different tribe. Right. And she was locked in a bathroom and her whole family died except her. You know, she survived. So her story, obviously, and as this beautiful, elegant, well-spoken woman, you know, with the story. Um, so the more and more women who have these powerful messages and stories can lead the charge, I think is even better. So, so they were there. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Hands down. And, and then, you know, of course, you know, we, we do live in a culture where, you know, men are bashed because men don't see dignity in women. And, and there are a lot of bad men out there. So it takes really good men to lead and Mm -hmm. to help the world see dignity, not only in everyone, but women. Right. Yeah. Um, so right on all right question number four
1: so you've been to the march before and you've spoken at these events before what surprised you this year like what was your takeaway seeing the youth seeing the you know being there on the ground um this year was different it was special you know there was just it was a lot more people um there's a lot of energy because of some pro-life momentum in the country kind of moving towards the supreme court um what was different about this year what was your takeaway
0: i think what's different for me and i you know is that this generation of young people are, they're very accepting and loving generation, and at the same time, they're connecting with v- their Christian values and the importance of fighting for the right things in love. I think as an adult, I'm learning a lot from this generation. Mm. Um, that we often say, "Oh, we don't know what this generation's going to do," but it's it's a very loving and accepting generation the flip side of that is sometimes they can be in a sense too accepting of certain things and they don't know how to like you know deal with it but all that being said it was really good for me to see this generation like just rising up in great love right uh for something really good sweet
1: all right question number 5 um let's say this this broadcast has motivated us right so we're, we're thinking about everything Paul George was saying about value and the people in our life. I mean, it's just, okay, where do you start to actually implement these things in your life as far as the value of every person? Do I need to sign up at the at the soup kitchen? Do I need to go protest at the abortion clinics? Like, what what do I do with this energy that maybe I haven't tapped before?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, for me, like, like, I got to start at home, like, just seeing value. Well, really, I got to start with myself. Mm. Like, am, am I... Do I see value in myself? And I, am I in relationship with Christ to where he's reminding me of that too? Am I seeing value in my, my own marriage and my wife and my kids? Like, like that's hard too, right? And then I see value in the people at work, even the people who are under me or above me, right, or whatever. On the, and and then outside of that, like, yeah, maybe pray. Like, where can I extend uh, and, and help, you know, Am I called to volunteer uh you know the soup kitchen or prison ministry or with the youth or whatever the the elderly or visit the nursing homes like where where can you or where god where is God might be asking you to help uh in that way you know love it all right
1: question number six top do and don't for building a pro life culture. That's, that's that's a loaded question. It is, and This is one of your favorites. Top do, top don't.
0: The top do's and top don'ts
1: building pro life where everyone is valued.
0: Well, I mean that it's such a I do think we're making progress because mm-hmm. I, I do think that this you know the 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 best I, I hate to use that word the best is that it used to be just so, so much about abortion. Mm-hmm. right the whole pro life movement was just strictly like laser focused on abortion and the fact that the culture has just basically said there's a lot of people that don't have value has actually broadened our ability to move forward with this thing right because it's it's opened up the gospel it's opened up the whole teaching of the church to to not just say it's not just about abortion it's about all people and all people include you it, all people include the abortionist and the person who hates and the person who kills and the person who's behind bars, like it includes all races and cultures and sizes. And that to me is the gospel. That's Jesus. Right. Um, And so now that we're in that fight, it's, it's over in my, in my opinion, because the top do is like, just open up the gospel because the gospel speaks of love for all people and truth. And that's what's going to, move it forward you know um and this is i just feel like we're following the waves of some of the great saints john paul ii and mother Teresa. who man they fought for life i mean that was what they fought for the theology of the body the dignity of the poor like think about it right i I think we're like we're like on that tsunami wave on a surfboard that they began to push forward and i i don't know like top do to me like if I would, is just like just just keep moving that gospel of life the whole gospel you know so I just think it cracked open a whole can of worms you <laughs> know in my opinion mm-hmm. right because it, it got us off of just focusing on one part and now we're focused on the full gospel right mm. uh, and that's man it's like the genie coming out of the bottle Jesus is boom you know boom boom uh it's and another do would be to do something you know um you can't do everything i can't do everything uh, but you could do something and pray about that and the top don't i mean just the flip side of that is don't not do anything like part of the gospel and being a christian is to put our faith into action and and to not idly sit by and watch and I think here's what happens oftentimes, at least in my life, is I can get so overwhelmed because the work seems so big that I don't do anything. And I think we do that often. It's Mm -hmm. just so much. I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go to church and do my thing and just be very private. And I go back to Mother Teresa, who just picked up one homeless person at a time, took care of one orphan at a time. And that's what her motto was, just one at a time, right? So when she was overwhelmed that there were thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dying people on the side of the road, she would say to her sisters, just get one, one person, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we can do today is, is just that little bit. And then in that little bit, if all of us can do that little bit, think about what we're all doing, you know, together as a community. Awesome. Well, there's your six pack of of value. (laughs) It's the value pack of six packs of questions. (laughs) So anyway, uh, great show, man. It's good to be back. Yes. Um, you know, back in action, rolling. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening in for our podcast listeners. I know we've had a couple of weeks off, so, um, thanks for sticking with us. All you guys can support the show, uh, discovertheartofliving.com. Um, and uh, one cool thing is we have a marriage conference coming up um, February 15th. It's a one-day conference. Mm-hmm. Adam's going to be there. Uh, it's at the Cathedral of St. John in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, go to discovertheartofliving.com. Click on Married. The information is there. It's great one-day uh, conference. You can invest in your marriage. We talk about investing in ourselves spiritually, will invest in your marriage, right? That's a big deal. And I'm gonna go, I don't know him, Paul. Do it. If you go to the married conference, God will give
1: you some clarity about your marriage. Absolutely. Like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, no, I mean. And that's the most valuable And if you're married, there's nothing better that you can do for your marriage than invest in it. Mm-hmm. So do that. So uh, that's happening, uh, lots of great things. So thanks everyone for listening being a part of the show and please share it and pray for us and we'll talk to you next week. God bless.